everyone. This is the Walking Well Podcast. I am your host, Jalon Martz, and I'm so excited, as always, um, to be here with you guys. So we are kicking off a new series. We are talking about intentional parenting. And so I've got some amazing people um, that will be talking about how they intentionally parent through life seasons, um, how they boss it out as homeschool parents, um, even through adoption. So I am really, really excited. This, I think for sure, will be an episode where even if you're not a parent, you definitely want to be taking notes and just put like tucking things in your back pocket. You guys know I always say whenever um, the word is going forth, it's preemptive. And so if you ever have an inkling of parenting or desire to parent, if you have younger siblings, whatever, it's it's always really good to um, gather all the resources you possibly can. So I'm really excited about our guest. Her name is Natalie Hawkins. And I know Natalie um, as just like an overall powerhouse, but like all the women I know are powerhouses. Everyone that I bring on is a powerhouse. So I'm really excited to have her on to talk about intentional parenting because um, as long as I've known her, I've watched her from afar and have seen how she has really skillfully parented her children and um, have been inspired. You know, I don't have kids of my own yet. And so definitely taking my own notes as we're doing this episode. Um, but without further ado, Natalie, could you tell us just a little bit about you, your family, um, all that good stuff? Oh, well, thank you, first of all, John, for having me here on Walking Well. I love what you're doing, and I'm just uh, honored to be able to be here. Um, and I, I, so I'm Natalie. I have two daughters. I'm uh, married to a really cool guy, uh, EJ, and um, our two daughters are Elise and Lydia. They are 11, almost 12, oh, and seven. And um, we've been married now. Uh, this will make, and he's going to get me for this because I always have to do the math. Okay. We've married 13 years now <laughs> and, um, and we've just, you know, we're a military family. So we kind of done a lot of moving around and seeing the world. We're a homeschool family as well. Um, we decided on homeschooling a little, um, early on. And so we've been doing that. And I also, I share a little bit and do a little bit of homeschool mentoring a bit through different avenues. I um I have a blog called To Teach Her Own and Facebook page and Instagram with those where I share just some of our journey. Um, my goal is not so much to um um to direct people on how that they should particularly homeschool their kids, but to just give a vision for families that it is something that's a viable option um, if ever they feel the need to take a different approach with their children. So um, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Okay. Really good start. So. Obviously, this is a big question, but how does someone begin to be intentional about parenting? I know I work in child welfare. I've got multiple siblings. Nobody gives you like a, a a book, a guide about how to like not screw up your kids. So how do you begin to be intentional? You know, it's funny like that, that right there, not to screw up your kids is, is so interesting because that's kind of the first thing that people think. Um, they kind of think of it negative, like, let me prevent myself from harming them, which is, is a good perspective. But I think intentional um, parenting starts with a more powerful objective. It's like on the other end, how can I bring them good? You know, like how, um, who are they, first of all? And then <laughs> who are they? And I think it's not to go so far as to try to be predictive as to who they're going to be ultimately, like, you know, because we've seen parents that do that. It's like, my child's going to have to do this and this, but it's to kind of start from this. Okay. I, I have these, um, these people start with people. Cause I think sometimes we think it, I have these people, um, that I want to empower to be ready for their generations. And, um, and it, for me, intentional parenting 
because we're talking about intent, it starts with purpose. It starts with what is this thing that I'm doing? Who are these people that I'm serving? And to take the moment before you do anything, and hopefully before you even have made the decision to have children, um, understanding what you're being asked to do. And um, I, I, there are three, I, three, I think sometimes four people that I think about often um, when I think about um, uh, parenting. And first, I would start with Jesus. <laughs> Second, I would start with his mom. I would start, I go to Mary. And then there's actually a very interesting character in the Bible that I am always thinking about as a parent, and that's Jacobet. And these are my three people. This is Moses' mom. So Jesus, because I think he gives us a very good perspective as to um, what we are to anticipate from children, how to view them um, when he tells the disciples, hey, keep don't keep them away from me, um, that I am... Uh, that you actually should be more like them in order to see me. And to me, that should humble and um, bring a, a, an honest fear and like a reverence into the heart of anyone who comes into contact with children, how precious childhood in itself is to Jesus. That there's something about the, the child that's full of wonder, the child that um, that doesn't know anything but completely trusts you to direct them, to guide them, to protect them, that there's something so precious in that. There's something about that that is God, that is kingdom-like, and that when we approach that with reference, it kind of gives you that pause you need, that humility you need as a parent, recognizing the task that's before you. So Jesus would be my first place to start when you're reflecting. And then Mary, because um, as we reviewed the Easter story and also, you know, Jesus, they talk about Jesus in the temple, how mm-hmm. he just parents and everything. And, um, and also even as he was born and the angels came and, and a couple of things they said about Mary so often was that she kind of held that in her heart, that she saw these things happening. And she was like, she took the moment to say, okay, let me just pay attention to this. I maybe don't have anything to do with it now or can't say anything. But even as Jesus was in the temple, he was like, I was about my father's business. She was like, yeah, okay. For real, but come home. And but she also was like, okay, there's something to this. Something is happening. Um, Being mindful of them as individuals. So Jesus gave us a great perspective of them as a whole, as childhood. But then as an individual, Mary had to be conscious of God. Speak to me about my child. Let me pay attention. Not be too hasty to speak um, about my child as an individual. And uh, and thirdly, um, Jacobet or Jacobet, as people say, this is Moses' mom, um, in the situation, a terrifying, horrible situation that she was in, that she had the presence of mind to protect and respond, protect her child by responding to life as she saw it. And I think that's one of the the major things about intentional intentional parenting. Um, I think part of the reasons there's no handbook is the world changes too, as you're a parent. I'm not preparing my children for this world that I know. I am preparing them for a world that I don't know. And I think it takes prayer. I think it takes um, re-tapping into a God that does see what their life will look in and to um, to be able to make those decisions for them now and respond. So those are like kind of the, to me, before we can be intentional about the things that we do day to day, it's kind of having that perspective. What is childhood? And then what is my child? Their their proclivities, their preferences, all that stuff. And then also like, how do I respond with what I have now for them? Hmm. Is that a good start? That's a great start. (laughs) That's a very meaty start. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no apologies. That I think is like, 
before we talk about how to, we have to talk about the perspective, the the entire, like the stance, the posturing. And I think that was such a beautiful um, layout of this is how we kind of have to be seeing and looking at. This is the perspective we have to have if we're going to be intentional. Um, I think that's a very necessary start. So can you give us like, what's the vision for parenting in your household? So what's like the aim, the goal? What's y'all's kind of mode? Okay, so interestingly enough, um, our vision is very self-centered at the moment in terms of my husband and I. EJ and I, are, are uh, our vision is more so for us as examples as parents mm-hmm. that what we are trying to model for their children, for our children as believers, we t- spend a lot of time on self-focus. So our vision is to um, be parents that model a life that is surrendered to God, um, that uh being always before them as people who choose God and his ways and aim at bringing glory to him in the things that we do. So it's really for us, our parenting is very much like to show an example for them right now. And part of that is um, we're in the season. It's the seasons that our children are in too, that our, that our parenting goals aren't as like, oh, I want my child to be this and do this. It's um, we have an elementary age child who's, you know, early developmental concrete learner. You know, she tells the best jokes because she just, you know, it's a season for that. Um, And she is very, we're very much figuring her out, looking and paying attention to who she is. Um, And so our, uh, our, we don't spend as much time kind of trying to make them things or respond in certain ways so much as we are careful about how we respond. Mm -hmm. And our teen, our preteen, we know that she's in a period right now where influence, um, her, our influence, the way we influence her is changing. It's not so much directives as it is guidance for her as she starts to think and make, uh, and uh, make changes in her life and decide kind of what route she wants to take. So we try to stick in our parenting goals, him and I being of one accord, making sure that we are setting a good example um, as believers. Okay. So um, how then do you balance? Cause I know you, you know, you obviously intention takes intention and takes energy and things like that. Um, so how are you balancing all the different aspects of preparing them for life? So the academics, the life stuff, the spiritual stuff, like how do you figure out what takes precedence and all of that good stuff? Um, well, so one interesting, the word balance is a strong word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> balance is I, I, someone who I love very dearly. She's a mom that I kind of, Uh, emulate and she's a mentor to me. She said, you know, balance is a really strong word. You try to find harmony, not so much balance. And that stuck with me because it brought, it was in a season where I had, you know, kids under five and uh, trying, we were moving at the time, you know, all this, these dynamics going on in our life. And when she said that, it really, um, it gave me peace to enjoy the season that I was in with my children. And, and I think that's, what's important because, um, because what we find is, is like you, we want at all times to be able to do everything. And I don't know that that's, you know, that's how we should kind of be expecting, um, that there is some beauty in for the season with an infant, you may be more physically engaged. You may, you know, it's a lot of physical toll on your body. So maybe look for ways, um, when you're going to, uh, care for yourself, 
and, and things like that to look for ways to incorporate your children, like your babies that you're taking everywhere, um, take them with you, that kind of stuff. That's just an example of just like, hey, you may be um, in certain seasons, things are lopsided, especially depending on the needs of your child. Um, sometimes those things are higher in certain areas than others. Like there is no real academic pull at one. I know people try to do it. I know, I know, but they're really, this is a time to honestly rest up on the intellectual and academic thing, because I promise you that's coming. And to really enjoy and embrace the cuddles and the slobber and the um, just the physical demands, proving to them that you're trustworthy as a parent, you know, responding to their needs, building that bond. Um, and that in that season for you, it's 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 highly high touch um, help showing, you know, you, you, there's a lot of like basic things that they're learning, you know, hot, no, don't touch, you know, those kind of thing. And that, and not, you know, that's, you're always teaching them. You're always modeling for them. So that in that sense is academic. I think my, my guidance in terms of finding that balance is, is one to look more so for harmony to, to not get so, um, eager for the future, um, to make sure all those things like, you know, we have this, uh, this anxiety about, will I give them enough and everything? And we missed out on the, the joy of the season uh, that they're in. So I would say simplify. I would say do um, to really uh, to really examine again, start with reflecting in the season that they're in and as simply as you can without, you know, uh, thinking that you need every baby genius a thing and um, or for the teenagers that they need to be in every activity or you're, they'll never get into college to really find that perspective, pull back a little bit and simplify so that you can tackle kind of the things. And, and, and for me, simplifying, I love efficient systems. I love when I can do one thing and it covers five needs. Like it's just to me, it's just the way I, I have to live my life. Um, and so when it comes to to putting things in perspective or finding harmony, one of the reasons we actually homeschool is so I can do that thing. I felt that I didn't want a middleman between, it's not anything against the public school system or anything like that, I'm, you know, but I just didn't want that middleman between their education and me and like dealing with homework and stuff. I was like, you taught it this way. I just, I was like, wait, I don't know that I can deal with the system like that. And then um, also for me, so much of um, my learning about the world, so much of learning uh, about learning has to do with uh, what, what God has put into the world. Like I didn't want the separation between our study of the word and our study of his story, which is history. Um, I didn't want that to, I didn't want anything between that. So for me, I bridge our educational stuff with what God has said about our, our history, what he said about our world, how he's designed it. I put all that, it's like all that stuff can come together. It's it's kind of my way of multitasking and simplifying uh, my life. So I would look for systems and look for a lifestyle in general as a parent uh, where you can do all that. And I think that's one thing that I can say with my household that I'm so um, I'm so grateful for is that we have tailored our lifestyle to make parenting a bit easier um, by doing that, by finding these efficient systems, really saying and paring down and saying what is important to us. And then whatever comes what may, we we keep those things, those core values at the center of our decision making. It simplifies everything. I love that. Thinking about like when you say simplify, but even also what what is the highest or the higher priorities? Mm -hmm. And then kind of 
molding everything around those objectives as opposed to trying to do everything. Yes, absolutely. Because the world will try to get you to do everything. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. So I think if, you know, for most people listening, this sounds like a lot, like to be intentional sounds like you've got to really reflect and think about what your goals are. And it's like a whole thing. So like, how do you as a person not get lost in the sauce of trying to be intentional and making sure your kids have what they need? Yeah, I think, um, and it does require a lot because even with, you know, once you kind of get a picture of who your children are, then you go to pursue, help them pursue and pursue with them the things that they were called to do. It is, it is demanding. Like it is, it requires a lot of giving on your part as a parent. So I can see how it would kind of drain you if you don't put the proper things in place to uh, prevent that from happening. Um, For me, again, first I start with, uh, first I, I, you know, most things in life for me, they start with prayer. It start with, okay, when you see the overwhelming task, it's like when my heart is overwhelmed, I go to the rock, leave me, tires me. That's the first place to go because he knows my children. He knew them from the beginning. And he's the only one that really can give me perspective as to what I should do, what is priority. So I would start there with prayer, um, maintaining my own relationship with God, my own study that's apart from me as a mom. Um, my own, um, just, he satisfies, uh, you know, he satisfies, he fills me up. And so part of me, it's like, if I don't get that time in the morning, at least I'm in a season now where I can get that time in the morning. So I do, before I even see my children, I've seen my God, you know? And so I can be ready to, to face whatever it is they bring to me because they bring all kinds of weird stuff to me, literally in hand sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then also the idea of um, giving away uh, understanding that my job is not really to control um, my children um, and and everything that could possibly ever happen to them. I think that the burden, like getting the perspective of what your true burden is, part of it comes with that. Like, is it my job to control everything that ever happens to them to prevent any form of um, them harm in any way by any, you know, if I can first release that over that that um, takes away some of the weight of that. I have to do everything for my kids. And it actually frees me to care for myself as well, because what I can do is I can control myself and I can look at those um, behaviors or those habits that are making my relationship with my children, my relationship with my husband harder. And if I can focus on those things again, usually through prayer, through the word, uh, that I can make the whole job easy because I'm essentially more selfish as a parent than you could imagine. Um, that that part of parenting is to be intently self-reflective so that you can serve your children because they're not really designed to serve you or to, um, to fix anything wrong with you as an individual. You can't, you shouldn't take out your own anger and frustration on them. And so it really, you know, if that is the goal, you really have to release control and make sure you're taking, um, making uh, self-control to be your your goal, that you're able to control yourself. And then thirdly, uh, giving up the idea of being a perfectionist, being the, you know, it's like, we say this all the time. And sometimes I think we say it as if it's like this, we wink at it like this might be a good thing. Perfectionism as a parent is destructive. It steals from you. It robs you of great moments. Um, and thinking that everything has to look good all the time, sound good all the time, smell good all the time, thinking that everything has to be there will rob you. I know there have been times where I've been like, put on this laundry and enjoy this book with your child. <laughs> like, 
put it down. Like, it'll be okay. And I have those tendencies and I have to, again, be self-reflective and be like, okay, am I really frustrated them? Have we really done anything wrong? Or do I just want this done this way? Those are the kind of the, the background things that I think can take some of the weight off in itself. But then practically speaking, care for yourself. Practically speaking, block out the time to take care of your body. And, be, you know, be creative with it. Like, I love um, various forms of exercise. I'm just one of those people that likes to lift and throw things. Like, I love to see how heavy I can, you know, I can lift. I just do. And so I, because I know that and because, you know, the Lord knows that, I'm like, Father, help me to find the time, find a way, get creative to get that out of me. Um, and so I make time to work out this this room that we're in. is my They call it my quiet room, my prayer room but it's also my workout room. My weights are in the closet, that kind of thing. I take the time in the different seasons. Um, when my kids were young, I was going to the YMCA. We had, you know, um, even with limited, you know, early, we just got married, even all these limited budgets, we made a time to say, you know what, this YMCA is important because your child is in a safe place in childcare and you're able to take a really fun class that you enjoy and that kind of thing. Taking the time to take care of your physical bodies because you're going to need them uh, to care for your children. And then also to take care of your mind To I have always had to find a way to keep my mind engaged um, outside of raising my kids on the things that I love. Like I, me and audiobooks have a thing going on. Um, when I need to take a mental break, um, I play an audiobook in the car. I played, I play audiobooks while I'm cleaning my favorite. And it's not always something, you know, uh, self-help or not even the Bible, although they have some great authors that I love that are like Christian fiction authors and stuff. But I like to take my mind back to my favorite reads. Like we, my husband and I were just discussing The Count of Monte Cristo as one of my favorite things. <laughs> um, I like, you know, Lord of the Rings. I like that kind of stuff. I love Jane Austen. And being able to, to you don't have to abandon all of your your desires and the things that God had put inside you. In fact, I think you do your children a disservice if you abandon those things because they need to see a person with inclinations and desires and preferences or whatever, walking that out in front of them and letting them know like, it's okay if you're a total Jane Austen geek. My oldest has taken on the Jane Austen love and affection. She has carried the torch. <laughs> She has read, She first of all, I wasn't ready. She read all of them. She took my collection. My, she's read all of them. Wow. I know. And she, so, and so, but the thing is she's reading them at 11. She read them at 11. And I know that it's going to be a different conversation at 15. I know it's going to be a different conversation at 16. But had I abandoned myself and like not exposed her to the things that were me, um, then we might have missed out on some great conversations and great things that we can find in common. You know, like I don't think we should shy away from who we are as individuals. We want to protect that uh, for them. And then I think uh, finally to respect our own God-given talents and abilities as well. Like, it, you know, for me, if I don't do things like this and share and encourage parents, I would be lacking. Like they they would lose something for me. They know what I'm doing right now. And they're like, oh yeah, that's your thing. You know, like <laughs> they, they know they're like, oh, mommy's helping the families again. Like that's her, <laughs> that know that about me. And one, it satisfies me and makes me a better mom because I get that out. But then it also gives an example uh, to them as young ladies and young women that even, you know, me having the stay at home mom, thing that in every in different seasons i'm still able to get out the things that god has designed for me uh, to get out in front of them so i think that is a great way to just not get lost um in that just remember like go to your god and help him, have him help you remember all the things he's put in you and then just do the diligent 
make the diligent effort to do those at whatever capacity you're able to do them throughout your child rearing journey. I love you said a phrase, not abandoning yourself. And I think, yeah, all of the things, even from, you know, the exercise to the mentally engaged and what are the things that you love? I, I, again, even though I'm not a parent yet, I'm really, me and my mom are like best friends. And so, you know, they, my parents have parented through different life seasons because we kind of have like sets of kids. <laughs> yeah. um, and so just watching her journey her and my dad's journey of like, okay, this is how we raised you and your older brother, but these younger two, things are a little bit different. Our capacity is different. We learned some different things. We learned, absolutely. We grow. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that's one of my, my homeschooling, I guess, mantras is that that we are lovers of learning because that's what we want our kids. Like, I can't prepare you for the world, but I can prepare you um, to always be a learner and to always be ready to do the necessary thing, to pick up the next new skill, the next new thing, and know that that's going to come. One of the most constant things for us as humans while we're in this form is the fact that there's change, there's undulation, there's seasons, and that's how our life is going to move. And I can prepare you for that. Yeah, for sure. So you've mentioned having two daughters. Mm -hmm. Um, And so obviously in the times that we live, um, there are so many different voices about what women should be, who they should be, what they should and shouldn't do, all of that. So like, what's the target for your girls? How are you kind of moving them toward that daily as, you know, young women, women that are going to be in the world? Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the things I recognize that my children are going to be in the world, but the um, idea that the world's like, um, expectations of them, um, are the, those things are not how I guide them. Um, that the weight of what the world says they should be is not anything that I, sh- I factor in, in when I'm raising them as individuals. Um, I know the grand scale of women should do this on a whole, um, is, I, I see the heart behind it in, in some ways. It's like we want to rem, uh, empower our women. You can't, you know, kind of do anything, you know, like that That maybe some of the things we've told you over history that you're incapable of, unworthy of, and those kind of things, they've caused damage. And they've, you know, I recognize that completely. But I think for my children, I don't want them to fall into um, any trap when it comes to what the expectations of um, are of them because they're female. Um, so when it comes to initially, we've spent, we don't spend as much time talking about um, the fact that they're women a, a, a lot, but in our discovery of history and in our discovery of the sciences and in our discovery of what the word says in regards to women, um, I noticed that they pick up on things. I'll give you a few examples. Um, we, as the discussion comes up, we end up having these conversations with them. Our family has had opportunity to travel around the world. And one of our experiences was in Bahrain, the the, um, the island, the country of Bahrain. And I distinctly remember we were driving uh, on a highway and in Bahrain, there were billboards that with pictures of the princes and of um, of the, the king of Bahrain and things. And uh, my daughter was like, mm, it doesn't look like they value women so much here. We don't see a lot of them. Whoa. And- no, she was, I think she might have been seven at the time when we were in Bahrain. Um, and and I remember just noticing that she noticed that. Mm-hmm. Noticing that, you know, seeing the women veiled and everything. And it's and honestly, I'm not making a, um, I want to be respectful. Value judgment. 
Yeah, it's it's not. She was a seven year old coming from a perspective. Like I understand uh, the veil, uh, the the belief behind it and stuff, and I very much respect it. Um, but it's not. But from her perspective, she was like, "But why only the men, and why not? You know, why only the women and not the men?" And that that had said something to her. And so we had an opportunity to have conversations about those kinds of things. And I mean, this has come up in several ways. So there was one in Bahrain, and then there was also um, we. But we also have conversations like this uh, that I was listening to. Uh, an audio book and one of the, the things the author mentioned is like you know women were the last at the cross and the first at the tomb um, that God did them such a great honor that they were the people that hung around the last at the darkest moment of the world and they were the first to see the glory of you know after in Easter and it's Easter so I'm all hyped about this anyway but I get an opportunity to empower them walking them through hey it doesn't really matter what the world says about you that God has said this amazing thing about you and he's done you a great honor like he does you a great honor in scripture um, and I get to show them uh, those things to build them up for what the world is going to say because I think sometimes the world will pendulum and swing back and forth again the constants or whatever but the constant thing is what god has said about you is what he said to the daughters is it Zalopa had i was the daughters of Zalopa had when they they were like can you can we talk about this whole inheritance thing yes you know, that what he said he what everybody was saying all this stuff people were like oh they shouldn't have it the men you know and and moses was like well i'll just go directly to god and ask him what he says and his answer was they're absolutely right uh, and and that answer meant so much in a culture uh, which the people were very much um, subject to the culture and what other people around them had said about women, even at that time, um, that God had said, hey, you, though, you, what you've requested is right, that you are worthy of this inheritance. And I think those messages frequently tossed into my children's hearts. Um, and then even me taking the authority that I have to get all of those things in their presence, to show them that even I'm pursuing these things. Like I'm, I'm a very much, I'm not, <laughs> I'm very much who I, God has designed me to be in my home that I still, I, command the authority that that is given to me in my home um, and that I'm honored in my home and that if I wasn't, I would have to respond accordingly. Like those kinds of things um, are the things that I think can show them, I guess, that that I that I I guess I rest on and count on to develop them as women. Not so much. You should be this and you should be that. Um, My daughter has my oldest daughter very much has this uh, engineering science uh, mind where she likes to build things and she you know no one has yet told her even at 11 that that is not a girl thing to do and no one will tell her if I have anything to do (laughs) not a girl thing to do um and that we don't you know we don't um we don't show her that that's we haven't no one has told her it's kind of like you know Adam and Eve in the garden no one told them they were naked no one's telling her that the things she's doing are not feminine, not girl-like. Uh, our seven-year-old is super active and upside down and everything. And I'm very careful of people saying things like, oh, boys are mostly like that. Or, you know, how's she? And it's like, uh, no, she's just her. She is Lydia. And her involves this physical, kinetic, like she is all the time. Uh, she has great dexterity in her finger. It's, it's those paying attention things, you know, you get to do as a parent. It's like, hmm, I noticed that you're kind of upside down and you're good at it, you know? <laughs> like you're not falling. <laughs> and so we, we, 
aim her at the the things that are related to how she's designed, not so much how she's designed just because she's a girl, but just how she's designed as her factoring the fact that God has designed her, you know, as a female. And of course, there are things like, you know, there that as our children progress in their seasons, there are other questions. And, you know, we're we're in the preteen season and um, making some changes and all. And really, I have to really shut the world out in this season because I don't value what the world has said about the season and what my expectations should be. And so I have to kind of cross all that out and approach my individual daughter and say, hey, this is how I have walked this season out or as a woman now, these are the things that I, these are the things that I use. These are the things that I, and to just talk to her face to face and say, you know, you know, of these things that I presented you, which one would you like to take and to walk her uh, through that? I think taking them out of the global, keeping them away from the global, this is what the world says for now, is one of the most precious things we can do for them to help them before they're influenced by the world um, to really be sure of who they are and to be valued for what they are. Yeah. So is this, I mean, you said so many good things. Um, it, I feel like it takes a lot of headspace, a lot of heart space. And I'm thinking about like the parents that aren't homeschooling that are kind of balancing, like not balancing, trying to find harmony <laughs> in uh, the sort of uh, I'm working and we have all these things going on outside and I want to be able to parent intentionally. So how can they maybe not having the maybe feel like the time bandwidth or the mental bandwidth, how can they kind of parent intentionally? Yeah, this is so dear to my heart because I'm very much a product of a great public school, a couple of great public schools. And, um, and my mom who, you know, she was widowed with five children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we were all quite young. We were in elementary middle school when my father passed away. And so she was working several jobs. We were, were an immigrant family. Our family's from Haiti. So she, I got to see, the faithfulness of God to the widow uh, and the single mom. I got to see that. And and uh, having the privilege now, I believe, to, to homeschool my kids, I see how he is able in whatever situation you are to give you so much good and to restore and to fill, to fill in the gaps that you feel like you're lacking in. So my first thing is to encourage single people or people who are unable to do this, even if it's a two-parent household and you're like, I need all the income we can have to sustain, that is, you know, that that God is able to fill in the gaps, to protect your children, to cover them, to provide those teachers and those coaches that feel like to fill in and to support. He is so able to do that for you in a beautiful way. So I want to say that first. Um, but you also I mean, you also have the ability and the um, you have the ability to pay attention still. You know, you have the ability to that you can do. You can take your um a time to really look at your children and 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 so much so that you might want to protect that outside time. The time you have, um, you're you're basically outsourcing your education. So if homeschooling is not your thing, consider your putting your children in schools as kind of an outsourcing for one of the tasks. That's one of the things you have to do for them. But that's you know that's efficiency, <laughs> and you can then spend most of your energy on the other things that you'd like to give to them. You know the other things you'd like to do with them. You know it'd be it'd be you know if schooling is the thing that someone else is taking care of for you, that face to face like hmm, I wonder you know maybe we can do journal like, depending on the ages of your children, maybe we can do kind of family adventures outside of school that we can have conversations maybe about what you're learning in school. I can be supportive about those things. I can show up and show face on on your your um, school 
events. I'm very much, I'm not, I haven't uh, pulled away just because I've outsourced this particular task of these lessons. I'm not completely outside of the classroom. I know who your teachers are. I stay engaged with them. Like that you can still be very much involved, even if you have, if this is just not one of those things, which I totally understand. Homeschooling is such an undertaking. (laughs) Um, I totally understand. And so you can pay attention. You can be a part of what they see and do in the classroom. And then you can also advocate for them. Um, I'm a big, because you don't know what they see every day and what they're encountering with their teachers and things like that, or, or just any, you know, anything that, uh, we are, you know, I guess we want to avoid, I guess, helicopter pairing is what they call it, but advocating is actually one of those roles. We don't want the world to talk us into convince, you know, convince us that, that it's helicopter pairing to parenting to advocate and to speak up for your child. That's actually one of your roles. It's what Jacoba did. You know, it's the, uh, it's the, Hey, I see what you're encountering and you may not have all the necessary tools or understanding as a child to speak up for yourself. So I'm here to speak up for you. This is one of the, the ways we pr- protect them from abuse is to have this. Uh, we've proven to our children that nobody can tell you don't come to your mom and dad with this because you already know that we are your prime advocates, not to say we stand for foolishness and we'll defend, you know, it's like you can do whatever and we'll just tell everybody it's okay. But more so like if you needed anything, if there was anyone who is your secret keeper, it is your parents. We are the trustworthy people and that you can have that role with them, even if they're in different environments. So I would encourage you to just fully embrace that role as their advocate. And I know sometimes it's tough. People tell you that your children, they label your children very soon. Mm. And if that your children are difficult or that your children are a challenge or that your children, and it's like, maybe they are a challenge for the system that they're in, but always choose your child over the system that they're in, you know? So, you know, just them as the individual is precious more so than the fact that they have to fit in this certain box to be able to move along in the system. So maybe for you, you can find that, um, the flexibility you need by not fully, you know, not giving, giving them up to the system. Like, and I, and what I mean by that is if, um, if your child needs accommodations in school, or if your child needs those things, one, don't feel any kind of way about it. Cause it is a system meant for a mass group of people to move through. And you have an individual and a child in there and don't sacrifice them to this idea that their grade should be this, and they should have these many classes and this many things, but more so focus on the fact that your who your child is. And so, um, and so that would be my, that would be, I guess, a way of advocating for them. And then, I mean, grace, grace, grace uh, <laughs> for you and for your children. Grace over yourself, recognizing that it's you, again, are not in control, but that God loves you. He loves your children. He loved them since the foundation of the world. And that he has a, that he has a plan for them that can be carried out through whatever they face. And it's not to say put them intentionally in, in difficult, in hard situations or painful situations, but that he is with you and he is with them and that he will walk them through. And um, my, uh, my final thing is to focus because we love efficient systems, focus on the big things when you're with them, that, that honestly, academics, come. It's more so the idea of the love of learning that's important. The academics, the actual thing that they're learning will come. Um, but focus on the big things. And to me, those big things are the character things. To me, those big things are perseverance, repentance, and forgiveness in your home. The big things, are, because those are the things that really help you to have a a life outside of once those 12 years of education or however many are done, it's the ability to um, have and be in relationship. That is the glory of man. Like the fact that you can do that. So help them with the big things, help them to be givers 
help them <laughs> to um, be forgiving, help them to be kind in the time that you have with them. Focus on those priorities, those majors, those major things. Focus on persevering through hard things. One of the things we tell our kids all the time is we do hard things. You know, it's like <laughs> we do hard things. We have we have an interesting life with great benefits and great. Um, uh, we have we've been had so many privileges to see different places and everything. But there are constants. We've been you know overseas. We've been across the country. There are constants that run all over, no matter where we go. And those are the things that we are, would say that you as a parent, even if you can't be in their faces and educating them, that you can educate them as to the kind of person they want to be. Um, and you you are well within, uh, that is part of your authority and the beauty of parenting. And you're going need to God, need God's help to do it, whether you're homeschooling or not. Phenomenal. So good. <laughs> so good. I especially love the focus on the big stuff because you, as you mentioned, like, you know, if you're not handling their their academics, that's being outsourced. But these are the ways that you can prepare them. And that even kind of goes back to the whole vision of like, you have to be prepared for the world. So academics are a single part of that. Um, but how can we make sure that you are the person you are supposed to be, that we help you become who God has in mind for you um, and be ready for the for your generations? I yeah. love that. Okay, so do you have any recommended resources, anything that you're like, hey, as a parent that's wanting to do this intentionally, these are things I suggest. Okay. So, um, so I actually, I just have one that I've recently discovered and then reread and everything that I actually think is really good for this, this last question that you asked in particular, there's, um, there's a great, um, she's a homeschool mom that I kind of em seek to emulate another one of them. Her name is Susan Wise Bauer. And recently she wrote a book called rethinking school. And it's, uh, not it's actually for, uh, those who are like, hey, homeschooling sounds great, but I, it's not something that I can do, where she talks more about the, some of the things that I shared, um, how you can be an advocate. I mean, down to, uh, she goes into very specifics about which which tests that your child may be taking and how those, uh, how you can use those as parents to really help them uh, as they go through their academic journey. I mean, it's really helpful. Um, I, um, I enjoy her book, The Well-Trained Mind. That is for those who um, who are looking to educate their children. It gives a very good perspective, a very simplified, but uh, I guess impactful perspective on classically educating their children, meaning um, uh, using their their different uh, developmental ages and stuff and giving them the right tools to love learning and then also to be skillful learners because learning is a skill in itself <laughs> and to develop them in that. So The Well-Trained Mind and Rethinking School by Susan Weisbauer, some of my favorite resources. Um, and then on the other end, in terms of developing and self-control, um, one of my favorite parenting books that was recommended to me by a great couple um, is uh, Scream-Free Parenting. This is one of those, it's not, it is one of those like, uh, you know, it's right in your face, screen-free parenting. But the, I would summarize this resource as, as a, um, it's self-control for the parent. It's, it's a book about staying calm to help you have a calm household and to help your kids know how to stay calm in various situations. And I think, um, uh, I think that was, it was really helpful to me to read when my children were uh, two in their twos, threes and fours. But it's also, I'm rereading it now that my children are in their teens and they're you know, or approaching their teens and they are um, finding 
more so who they are and their own voice. And, and it empowers me as a mom or helps me as a mom to remember to stay calm with whatever they bring to me so I can forever be a place of calm for them. So that is, that's, those are the three that um, I think would be helpful to those who are seeking to, um, to intentionally parent their children. Got it. God. Those are good. Awesome. Okay. So how can people connect with you? You mentioned you have to teach your own. So tell us about all of your things that you got going on. So yeah, there is a lot to have going on. Um, and, and honestly, we, I took a break from to teach your own for a while because our family moved <laughs> and um, we moved very quickly, like twice in the span of a year. It was a lot um, <laughs> across country. And so, uh, so I took a break from it. One, because I realized priority wise, this was something, but um, I am, I blog, I write a few blogs on to teach your own about homeschooling, but then just also about parenting in general. But really the best way to get in contact with me is through either the Facebook or the Instagram page uh, to teach her own, uh, because what I do there is kind of give blips, just a view of uh, what our homeschooling journey looks like. And what I found is that I'll do those blips and think, you know, hey, it's just kind of just our everyday practical thing. But people who reach out on messages, I'm pretty good about getting back to you on your individual questions and pointing you out to resources. This is something that I really enjoy doing. So um, yeah, definitely contact me through Instagram or through Facebook with your questions. I also do some, um, if you, there's a YouTube channel for To Teach Your Own as well, where I've done some videos and reviews about some of our curriculum. I'm getting ready to put a few more out now because we've changed our, you know, my children were in the, the, the early stages, the grammar stages of their education. Now we're moving into some more logic and discussion type of uh, education. And so, man, I got some great resources now. And now I'm like, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to share. <laughs> so I'll be doing some more reviews of curriculum if, you know, if that's the route people take um, and uh, some other things on the YouTube channel. So it's always the same name to teach her own. And I guess, of course, it's like to each his own was a phrase I would hear all the time. That's where the phrase comes from um and the the idea of owning your education or owning your child's education whether you homeschool or not is the um is what's behind to teach her own i love it awesome that's so yes i'm excited yes <laughs> so guys this obviously i know it has been good to you because i have gotten so many nuggets i'm like writing little notes over here and there's so many good things in this episode and so um this was just a snippet of all the good that natalie puts out into the world so please 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 definitely connect with her on instagram on facebook um subscribe to her youtube channel so you can get all of those things and i follow you so i know the little blips and nuggets and they're always so powerful. Even, you know, I'm just like, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So um, definitely connect with her that way. Um, so with that being said, we are finishing up this episode, wrapping it up. Um, definitely be sure to connect with The Walking Well um, Instagram. We have a Facebook page now. So everything is The Walking Well Podcast. You can connect there and we'll have little tidbits and blurbs from this episode. Um, and you guys can connect and tell me, you know, what was the most impactful part or the most impactful pieces, because I'm sure you got a bunch of little nuggets. Um, so definitely connect there. If there's any way that we can pray for you, please, please, please reach out to walkingwellpodcast at Gmail um, so that we can just be in agreement at our faith with yours. But other than that, you walk into your week, have an amazing day, have an amazing week and boss it out, guys. Bye.